And welcome on in to the JR Sport Brief. No JR today was just in for Zach. So you just missed him and said Ryan Hickey in for JR today. In for JR tomorrow as well. Welcome. A happy Thursday to you. And thank you for making us a part of it right here on CBS Sports Radio. It may be late February, but boy, oh boy, does it feel like college football season. We got a lot to get into when it comes to that sport because more and more chaos continues to ensue. And of course, go figure. It will be classic college football where as we are getting set for this upcoming season to start the 12-team playoff, have that debut, before we even see it in action, of course, here we are now already discussing even more expansion. Reports coming out of college football playoff meetings yesterday in Dallas. Reports of a 14-team playoff, a 16-team playoff, possibly in 2026. So here we are already starting more expansion talk before the expansion even starts. So college football, unfortunately, for the sport I love the most, is right now in a mess as it always is. But here I am. I'm going to try to start the show here by saving the day for college football. Because I think I know, uh, not I think, I do know what is the perfect playoff format going forward. And that is the one we're about to have. The 12-team format right now we are about to see for 2024 is by far the perfect playoff system for college football. Because what it does is it checks two boxes. Two boxes, I think, any playoff format, if you want to talk about expansion, shrinking down, however you, whatever you want to think is the best number. Why I think the best number is 12 is because the 12 format does two things. It provides inclusivity, but also makes the regular season important. It does both. And I think we can't be talking about any sort of playoff number, at least, 14, 16, 12, 8, 4, whatever, unless they check both of those boxes being inclusive and open so that there's more than three or four teams a year that feel like they have a chance to win a title, but also making sure that games still matter, that the regular season is not watered down and it's just a a precursor to the playoffs, kind of like the way the NBA is. So any format has to check both of those boxes, and I think the 12-team format that we're about to see right now, one one slight adjustment I would make, but right now the 12-team format is the one I think that is perfect for college football going forward that will leave every single fan happy. And that's what we're looking for, right? Enough uh, yelling and debate. I think we want to see the games decided on the field, not in the boardroom or not by a, a committee made up of people from all different backgrounds, some of which know college football, some of which do not. I think this 12-team format is the one where Everyone would agree this is the best moving forward. We got to keep this. Number one, first and foremost, when it comes to inclusivity. I mean, I could start right now, any given year moving forward in a 12-team format. There's about probably 30 teams at least before the season that feel like they can make the playoff. Not win a championship, but be one of the 12 teams competing for a championship. And at the end of the day, I think that's all that we want as fans. Sure, I would love for my team to win a title. Don't get me wrong. But the biggest issue for college football is you never even got the opportunity. It was such an exclusive club, and there's almost a snobbiness with the four teams of just like, how dare you think you're good enough to compete for a championship? That's not what sports are about. 
whether you are good enough to, to actually win a title or not, is decided on the field. And now I think that inclusivity is there with a 12-team format. You have more teams than ever going into any single year that feel like they can just make the playoff. And from there, whatever happens, happens. But at least making it, having that optimism, because optimism also breeds interest. It's not a coincidence that last year, the final year of the 14 playoff, was the most watched college football uh, season ever. And I thought the most interesting, in large part because it was so open. We really had no idea who the best team was and who won the national title until Michigan won it. But even going into November, there was 10 teams that could make an argument of getting one of the four spots. It's never been that open in the playoff system up to this part or up to this date. But because now you had so many different teams in the mix, more fan bases were interested and locked in and viewership skyrocketed. Inclusivity is a good thing for college football. And that's why I think the 12-2 format is perfect. You provide hope for more teams. Again, 30 teams a year roughly can now feel like we can make the, the playoff versus like, what, most years of the 14 playoff, that number's in single digits. That, that's not fun. The predictability of knowing in August who the four teams are going to be, no one wants that. The chaos, the unpredictability, that is what makes college football great. And that is in part what this 12-team playoff brings. No matter the conference. ACC, Big 12, AAC, doesn't matter. You still feel like your team has a chance. That's all I think the college football playoff should provide. Like That's all the playoff format should say should provide as a chance. That's what the 12-team structure does. But it also, while allowing you know the door to be open for more schools to make it, it also maintains the integrity of the regular season. Because the way it's formatted, you still force teams to be motivated and still play games that matter all season long, no matter if you are in the top of the playoff, like in the top five, whether you're in the middle, or whether you're in the bottom fighting for one of the 12 spots. All three of those levels, you have a reason to finish out the season strong. And there's really not a game, no matter who you are and what your record is, there's really not a game that is going to be meaningless. And look at the structure right now with a 12 team that's about to uh, get set here this upcoming 2024 season. The top four teams in the 12 team playoff get a bye. Last time I checked, right? That's a big motivator. Would you rather play an extra playoff game and jeopardize getting knocked out? Or would you rather have a free pass in the second round? Every single team, every single fan base will gladly accept that free pass. So whether you're Georgia, whether you're Michigan, Ohio State, or you name it, if you're a top five team, the only way you get that by is by obviously remaining uh, that high ranking-wise, but also winning your conference. And so now, even if you're Ohio State, and you're 12-0 in the conference title game, yeah, you'll make the playoff. So in theory, you could argue that game doesn't matter. But if you lose your conference title game to Oregon, to Washington, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, you name it, well, now you don't get a bye. And now all of a sudden you have to play an extra playoff game. Same with Georgia. So now all of a sudden those, two, those teams at the top that know, okay, maybe late in November we're going to be in the playoff no matter what, 
where you are still incentivized and those games still matter because one loss for you could be the difference of playing that first weekend of the playoffs or getting a bye and going to round two. That's a big motivator. So the the teams in the top are motivated to play all season long. Teams in the middle are motivated because seeds five through eight, that first round of the playoffs, get a home game. And one of the things that makes college football different, unique, and special from the NFL is that home field advantage. Is that a home field atmosphere? I mean, imagine Death Valley for LSU at night of a home playoff game. A whiteout at Penn State for a playoff game. Oregon in a playoff game. Like those atmospheres that are already charged in the regular season are now going to be an overdrive. That's going to be awesome, but that's also a massive advantage for those teams that don't get the bye to make sure, hey, we got to still finish strong so we can at least be in a position to get a home game. That is a, a, a great motivator still. So, you again, there's no games you're playing that are irrelevant because if you're not chasing one of the top four seeds to get a bye, you are chasing now home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And then at the bottom, obviously, those guys are playing just to get in those last few spots. So you're playing for your playoff life. You're playing to get to the dance and have your season continue. So it doesn't matter, you know, where you are in this 12-team format. If you're one of the elite teams like Georgia and Ohio State, whether if you're, you know, in the middle, we'll say like Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Florida State, or if you're, you know, we'll say in the bottom of the 12, one of those teams in the teens that are trying to get one of the last playoff spots remaining – It provides incentive all season long for you to play hard and for your games to matter. That's the biggest argument I've seen against the playoff expansion. Well, it's going to water down the regular season, Ryan. Why would you want that? The regular season is so important. You can't lose a game. Expansion is going to ruin that. And these games are going to be meaningless. That is not the case. I just outlined to you why it doesn't matter who you are and what your ranking is. Your every single game you play is going to matter from week one or week zero through conference championship weekend. So you still have the games matter. You still, if anything, create bigger matchups, more important to the regular season because now more teams have meaningful games in a 12-team playoff than just a 14-team playoff. So if anything, now you're creating more important regular season matchups than previously had in a 14-team playoff while also providing inclusivity, while also opening it up so that on a given year, 25, 30, 35 schools can go into a season saying, hey, we can make the playoff. Let's go make a run at this. So I think 12 is perfect. What we are about to see commence this upcoming season, I think should be the playoff format going forward. It is perfect. The 12-team format motivates teams at the top, middle, and bottom of the playoff bracket. So it maintains the integrity of the regular season and its importance while also being, you know, providing inclusivity while also opening the door and allowing multiple teams to have a chance just to make it, just to play for a championship, which at the end of the day is all we're asking for. I'm not asking for the national champions to be different. I'm not sitting here telling you all, anyone but the SEC to win. If Georgia wins every year, so be it. But at least putting it where now you have a tougher road, it's not it's not an invitational like the four-team playoff is. Now it's okay. 
12 teams go earn it. I think that's a perfect system. I think what we're about to see is perfect. No need for expansion. No need for, well, it's not going to shrink because at this point, it, the, the number's only going to go up. I promise you we are not going down. But even if they entertain going down, no going down to eight, no going down to six or back to four, no going up to 14 or 16. What we have right now with this upcoming 12-team college football playoff is almost perfect. The only thing I would change is allowing teams to have home games up until the national championship. The fact that there's only one round where teams are playing at home and everything else is at the side of the Bulls is ridiculous. Again, I said it before. College football is different, special, and unique than anything else in part because of the home atmosphere. Student sections are going crazy. Saturday, you know, you can let a, let loose a little bit more than you can on Sunday if you're going to an NFL game. So it's a rowdier environment. It's much more electric. Why would you want to take that away in the biggest games of the season? Do we really need the Rose Bowl? Does, does the Rose Bowl matter that much to have a playoff game over Georgia having a home playoff game, over Alabama having a home playoff game, over Ohio State having a home playoff game? No. Lean into what makes your sport special, which is home games. That's the only thing I would change. Have the national championship game rotate between the New Year Six Bowls, so you get the Peach Bowl one year, the Fiesta Bowl another year, the Rose Bowl after that. But every game up to that point should be at home. In this current format that we're about to see, only the first round of games are at home. Then it's all bowl sites. I think that's a mistake, but I think the overall format otherwise is perfect for college football. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on this Thursday. I think the playoff format we're about to see this upcoming year. 12-team format, four teams have buys. That is perfect. That is the absolute perfect format for college football moving forward. We don't need any expansion. If you have a better playoff format you think is better than the one I just told you, I want to hear it. Let me know. 855-212-4227. That is the number to call. If you want to tweet at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three, we're there on Twitter as well. Or, specialty here, if you want to watch a show on YouTube, CBS Sports Radio is our YouTube um, YouTube account. Comment on YouTube as well. We'll read your thoughts on the show. Is there a better playoff format? Then the 12-team one I think we're about to see this upcoming season in college football as expansion talk continues yet again. 855-212-4227. We'll get your thoughts on also when we return. I heard something yesterday when it comes to the future of the playoff and what format we could see starting in 2026 that disgusts me. You want to talk about ruining the regular season? What is being talked about, and if it is passed, will ruin the regular season of college football. I'll tell you what it is and why we do return again. Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR on this Thursday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday. Hopefully it's been a good one so far. If not, we're here trying to cheer up. I promise. I'm not funny, so I won't give you a lot of jokes, but at least we'll try to brighten your day with some good sports talk. That is our, that is our goal here on the JR Sport Brief Show with Ryan and filling in right here on CBS Sports Radio. We started the show talking about what the best college football playoff format is. Because even though we are getting set for this upcoming season to have 12 teams, 
participating in the new college football playoff format, that contract ends after 2025. So we're going to have two seasons of a 12-team format. Then we got to go back to the drawing board and figure out a new playoff format. And that's why yesterday at meetings uh, between conference commissioners, you had reports coming out that there were discussions of going from 12 to 14, from 12 to 16 teams as now expansion possibly is on the horizon again before we even expand the first time. Oh, that is college football. It's chaos. It's frustrating, but also it does, it makes it endearing in a different way as well. But so for me, at least when you look at, okay, going forward here, if the goal truly is what is the best format for the college football playoff that makes everybody happy? The answer is the system we have right now. 12 teams, top four get by, so that way, even if you're a shoe-in, like let's say Georgia running through the SEC, Ohio State running through the Big Ten, your season still matters because you can't get that by unless you win your conference. So every game still matters for those teams at the top. Teams in the middle are now fighting for position because if you are seeds five through eight, you get a home game in the first round of the playoffs. And obviously the teams at the bottom of the bracket are fighting just to get in. So those games matter late in the season to try to be one of the 12 teams competing for a championship. So 12 is the only format I see that incentivizes every single team from week zero to the end of the season to conference championship weekend. And so I think the 12-team format perfectly weaves between being inclusive and actually providing teams an opportunity to compete for a championship, not the invitational that is a 14 playoff, but also maintaining the integrity and importance of the regular season. I think the 12-team playoff is the only one that achieves both. And that's why for me it's perfect. You don't have to change it. Again, the only thing I would change is putting more home games in the playoffs and not going to the bowls for most of these playoff games, have them be on campus where the great atmospheres are going to really shine in playoff games, have that be on display as well. But otherwise, I think that is the best format right now for college football and the direction they should go. Keep the format, no expansion needed. 855-212-4227. We'll get your thoughts here in a second on what is the best playoff format for college football moving forward here. But there's one thing yesterday that I saw come out of these meetings that is going to drive me in, like clinically insane if this is passed um, and is in, uh, in effect starting 2026. And that is multiple automatic qualifiers for conferences. It's being discussed and reported by Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports, amongst others, that conferences like the Big Ten, now that they've moved to 18 teams in their conference, they want up to four automatic qualifiers. So if you finish top four in the Big Ten standings, you're automatically in the playoff. SEC, I'm sure, is going to ask for something very similar. So in a 12-team playoff, what potentially could happen is eight teams are automatically gobbled up, or eight spots, I should say, automatically gobbled up between the Big Ten and the SEC. You want to talk about ruining the regular season, devaluing the part that makes college football so special? These multiple automatic qualifiers are ruining the season, or I should say would ruin the season. It's not playoff expansion. 
Adding more teams to the playoff is not ruining the regular season. Making it such where your wins and losses, it doesn't matter who you beat and who you lose to, that is where you lose the importance of the regular season. And that's what would happen if you give the Big Ten and the SEC three or four spots that they automatically qualify for each and every year. That's horrible. That is the last thing that should happen. It's greedy by the Big Ten. It's greedy by the uh, by the SEC and would be a real detriment and a, honestly a real L for us as college football fans. That's horrible. As a fan, look, there's no bias here. I'm a Penn State fan right there in the Big Ten. That If they get four automatic qualifiers, that would benefit me. But I am putting my college football, overall college football fandom ahead of my Penn State fandom in this scenario where I don't think anyone outside of the conference champion should automatically qualify for the playoff. That is how you devalue the regular season. Because now, all of a sudden, part of what makes college football special is subjectivity, right? Who do you beat that's good? Which good teams do you beat? Do you have any bad losses? Right, That impacts whether you move up or move down in the rankings. Now, all of a sudden, if you have the Big Ten having four automatic qualifiers... Who you beat and who you lose to is almost irrelevant. Now it's, well, what's your record in conference? Oh, six and three? That's good enough for third place? Okay, you're in. Doesn't matter that you could have lost to the three worst teams in the conference. Doesn't matter that you could have maybe lost to the three best teams in the conference and you beat no one else. You're still in. What kind of, that's not college football. We don't want those rewarded that don't challenge themselves, that don't beat anybody good that have bad losses and multiple bad losses on their resume, that should not be the case. That's what would be the case if the Big Ten and the SEC get what they want in having multiple automatic qualifiers for the playoffs starting in 2026. That I think that is the, the biggest thing that would ruin the regular season. That is where strength of schedule now all of a sudden doesn't matter. You're out of conference schedule, doesn't matter. And again, who you beat, who you lose to doesn't matter. You can lose to the worst team in the league or maybe lose to the best team in your conference, beat the worst team in your league, and you're 1-1. One and one. Is that truly, like, like, when you look at that 1-1 one one schedule, okay, you lose to a good team, you beat a, uh, beat a bad team, like, who cares? That doesn't mean you're one of the 12 best teams. But now, all of a sudden... When it just goes by conference standing and conference record alone, you basically erase slash minimize the non-conference schedule. So now why play a good team? It doesn't matter because you're not going to get penalized or you're not going to get rewarded for playing tough out-of-conference games. And also now, like, you lose some of the competitiveness because your resume now doesn't matter. Right, like when you look at like a 12 team playoff, if there's no automatic qualifiers, you're still talking about, you know, Penn State's resume versus Florida State's resume, Washington's resume versus LSU's resume, who have they beaten, who have they lost to. Like that does matter. But now, if you just give automatic qualifiers, that takes a lot of competition away. And I think that is really bad for college football. So I hope that's not the case. I hope that does not come to fruition. I think you want to talk about ruining the regular season for college football providing multiple automatic qualifiers for conferences, that 
is how you uh, ruin the regular season in college football. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We are talking about right now the best playoff format for college football. I think it's a 12-team one that we're about to see uh, get underway this year. What about you? Kevin is calling from Baltimore. What's up, Kev? What's good, Hickey? How you doing, brother? Good, man. What's on your mind? I love when you talk college football, brother. That's my thing, too, man. I remember last season you were definitely fired up. and uh, I like the 12-team playoff. I think, like you said, though, you can't reward people based on what you were just mentioning in a sense, right? Because there's plenty of money in it. There's more money in, like you said, keeping it home games, et cetera. And um, at the end of the day, these teams chose to play in the toughest conferences, the toughest games, right? Like, you don't get no automatic qualifier for that, dude. If you don't win and you don't take the regular season serious, you don't belong there. I agree, Kev, and I appreciate the call, but like you said, Oregon wasn't, you know, forced. USC wasn't forced to go to the Big Ten. And also, too, like, that's – you're minimizing competition. Right? That's why we watch sports. It's a good Pete to have the wins and losses matter. And the fact that you can now, if you have automatic qualifiers, multiple automatic qualifiers for the Big Ten and the SEC, like, you are right there saying, ah, some of the regular season doesn't matter. You lost a, a, to a bad team? Eh, it's okay. Who cares? It's a do-over. It's a redo. Like, you, in a way, you're almost playing scared. Trying to account for, well, if the unpredictable happens, we have a, you know, we have a, a down year and some teams, you know, aren't playing well and, and another conference, all of a sudden there's three, four, five teams that are way better than ours. Well, we still got to make sure that, you know, we get our teams in. No, no, no. If, you, if your conference is good enough to get three or four teams in, then fine. So be it. You earned your way in. But some years, the Big Ten's going to be down. Some years, the SEC is going to be down. And some years, the Big 12 is going to be up. I mean, look at the Pac-12 this year. I would argue the Pac-12 was the deepest conference in college football. Should they get rewarded for that and have multiple teams in? Absolutely. But that possibility gets nullified in a way because, well, sorry, we promised the Big Ten they get four teams in no matter what. We promised the SEC they get four teams in no matter what. You're, de- you're, you're undercutting yourself by those automatic qualifiers, and I really hope. Now, it's just being talked about. Nothing's agreed upon. I hope we don't see that come to fruition in the future. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. When we return, I'm going to peacock around a little bit. I don't like to do this a lot. I really don't. But a prediction or an opinion, I say, I should say, opinion I had last month about Nick Sirianni is proving to be more and more right by the day. I'll give you the latest details when we do return. And welcome on into the JR Sport Brief Show. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR tonight and tomorrow as well. Happy Thursday to you and thank you for joining us right here. If you missed any part of the show so far or, hey, got to leave. It's a busy night. I get it. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. That is where you can find the entirety of this show tonight. Also on YouTube, Ryan Hickey is the channel name is where you can subscribe. A lot of video content 
being posted there as well. All right. I thought last month the Eagles should have fired Nick Sirianni. The big thing I kept coming back to is, despite him going to the Super Bowl last year, and even making the playoffs this year, one question that no one could answer for me is, what does Nick Sirianni do well that the Eagles have a tough time replacing? He's not right the offensive play caller. He's not the defensive play caller. The biggest thing Nick Sirianni provides at the head coaching position is leadership. That is his number one priority, really for his whole tenure in Philly, the three years so far. And obviously what we just saw last year down the stretch for the Eagles where they started 10-1 and just collapsed down the stretch was, I would argue the biggest thing missing was leadership. There was infighting. There was some sort of drama. There's now reports out there, fractures within the team. But that is where you need your head coach. That is not an offensive specialist. That's not a defensive specialist. That is supposed to be first and foremost a leadership guy. That is where you need your head coach to step in and squash it. And they were 10-1 and last year. You can't have that spiral, especially coming off a year in which they went to the Super Bowl and brought back most of the guys on that roster. You cannot allow drama, infighting, and just a lack of belief to just derail your season the way it did. But as we know, that's exactly what happened. But because I don't see why the Eagles should have brought back Nick Sirianni, I didn't think he deserved year number four in Philly. He's getting it. I think it's a mistake. And now, not to pat myself on the back here, but I guess I'll give a little pat-pat. That take a month ago is looking more and more correct. There was a report that came out this week from longtime Eagles reporter Derek Gunn, who now works for Jacob Sports out there in Philly. He tweeted this earlier this week. Quote, according to sources, Jalen, Jalen's, I guess it's Twitter, so you know, limited characters. Jalen's big contract pulled in numerous directions on off the field, put him under a lot of pressure he didn't handle well, dot, dot, dot. Big Dom suspended. He controls Nick Sirianni's emotions on the sidelines. In his absence, Nick gets in numerous arguments with players and coaches during games, end quote. I have no reason to believe Derek Gunn is lying. Again, he's been in Philly a long time. And there seems to be, when you look at how this season unraveled, a lot of truth to this report. And so you are telling me right now that the Eagles, one, allowed their season to spiral because their head of security was not on the sideline for the second half of the year. Remember, he got into uh, into a Dre Greenlaw, pushed him, got ejected from the game, and then was no longer allowed on the sidelines for the rest of the regular season. You're really trying to tell me that the head of security not being on the sideline for the Eagles is why they went from 10-1 and to one of the worst teams in the league? Then why are you bringing back your head coach? Why is Nick Sirianni still employed if one guy not being on the sideline just allowed the entire thing to blow up? What is Howie Roseman doing? What are the Eagles doing in allowing this guy to still coach your team when he's a mess, when he's emotionally unstable and can't provide any sort of leadership in-game? 
I mean, do we have to go back to the Super Bowl with the whole Patrick, uh, with the whole Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid blow up on the sideline? We all saw where Andy, uh, where Andy Reid was almost knocked over by his tight end in game. Do you know why that didn't become more of a thing? Do you know why Travis Kelsey was still able to kind of remain focused on the game in the second half and why the Chiefs were able to win the Super Bowl? Because Andy Reid, being the great leader he is, diffused the situation. Travis Kelsey's in the wrong. I think he knew it pretty early on he's in the wrong. But you know what Andy Reid didn't do? Fight back. Push back. Make it a bigger deal than it, than it maybe had to be. He bit, you know, basically took the bullet on that one. So it didn't become a bigger thing. So that that little incident didn't now have a cloud over the Chiefs in the biggest game of the season and allow them to get distracted from trying to win the Super Bowl. That is what a great leader does. And it sounds like Nick Sirianni would do the absolute opposite. Without his boy, Big Dom there, keeping him in check, he's yelling at players, yelling at coaches. I mean, coaches are supposed to be the most calm guys on the sideline, right? They're the ones making the decisions. Should we go for it or punt? What kind of, you know, third down here? Should we be aggressive? Should we run it? Should we throw it? Do we have two downs here? You're making so many decisions. You can't afford to wear your emotions on your sleeve. You got to be stoic. Laser eye focused. During those three hours that are emotionally, you know, that's an emotional roller coaster. If you can't do that by yourself, if you need someone else to keep you in check, you are yourself are not a good leader. And if Nick Sirianni's greatest trait is supposed to be his leadership, how can you still employ him? How can you run this back and think that next year is going to be any different? Where the Eagles are in a Super Bowl or bust window right now. It's not, oh, let's try to win the division. Let's make the playoffs. Let's try to win a playoff game. It is Super Bowl or bust. You either hoist the Lombardi Trophy or you don't. Do you really think after this report and after watching what happened last year that Nick Sirianni is the guy to lead the Eagles to the promised land? To get them over the hump? To win a Super Bowl? I mean, clearly we just saw from what the Colts did this past year and the Eagles did in 2022 that Shane Sykin had a massive impact on that offense. Wasn't Sirianni. Now, to his credit, great hire, but it wasn't Sirianni. If you replace him with another with another offensive mind, you're not losing anything special that Sirianni brought to the table. Which is why I don't understand what the Eagles are doing. They are an absolute mess here. And allowing basically a 15-year-old to coach the team, be Eddie can't be trusted without his head of security next to him, to, to not pick fights with coaches and players, to distract his team from what the real battle is on the field? Eagles are in way bigger trouble than I thought. And it's not going to change much now with Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio as the new offensive and defensive coordinator. If this is how your head coach acts, it doesn't matter who's calling the shots, offensive play calling wise and defensive play calling wise. It all starts at the top. Just like everything starts from an ownership perspective. You could change a head coach, change the GM, change the quarterback. If you have a bad owner, your team is not going to be successful more times than not. 
as they say, a fish rots from the head down. Usually we say that when it comes to ownership. But if you want to talk about head coaching, that's also where it starts. Head coach down. So even though you swap out the OC, swap out the DC, and so you think, okay, there's no way the offense can be any worse than it was last year and the defense can be any worse than it was last year, Sirianni's still employed. And as long as that lack of leadership is still running your team, Eagles are in trouble. Eagles are in trouble. My goodness. That's juvenile. Well, I mean, I don't even know what you're fighting over on the sideline that often without your your guy, Big Dom, there holding you back. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Eagles, they did it to themselves. Don't feel sympathy for them whatsoever. All right, it is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. So right now, college football is in flux. We have the 12-team college football playoff format um, getting set to debut this upcoming season. And already now in 2026, we are talking about expanding the playoff again. Classic college football, I know. We're already changing things before we even see the first change implemented and see how it works. But 14 teams, 16 teams, part of why this is happening. Fortunately, it's greed, which now we're seeing money, you know, impact every single area of life. But also I think part of it is lack of leadership. Everyone in college football is out for themselves. The Big Ten is doing what's in the Big Ten's best interest. Now it's in college football's best interest. Same with the SEC, same with the ACC. Every conference, every team is looking out for themselves and themselves only. I'm not saying they're wrong for doing that. I get it. But that leads to, you know, the rope, if you will, being pulled in 50 different directions. That's why I think we need a college football commissioner more than ever. Tom is calling from Maryland with a good idea who that could be. What's up, Tom? Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. What's on your mind, man? Um, I wanted to make a comment about Nick Saban. He's already done the best thing for college football that he could ever do. Which is what? He left. Are you a, a salty SEC fan, Tom? I have no respect for the man. There we go. You have no respect for Nick Saban. I'm going to tell you why. Sure, let's hear it. I was watching an interview. About, he was on TV in the interview. Couldn't tell you how long ago it was. Doesn't I matter. do know it was the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. And the interviewer said, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? He's like, Thanksgiving? When's that? You know what he said? Tomorrow. He goes, oh, I just have football on the brain. You got a wife, you got kids, you got grandchildren. It's Thanksgiving, and you don't think about them. I lost all respect for him on that comment. All right, Tom. I can't help you there, buddy. Uh, that's uh, that's on you. If you want to say <laughs> Nick Saban's not a family man, okay. I don't know what coach is. Unfortunately, that's part of it. You get paid a lot of money to be recruiting, game planning, scheming, 24-7, 365. That's part of what made Nick Saban great. If you have no respect because he's not a fan, man, that's, that's on you, not me. All right. I thought that was going to go in a different direction, to be honest. That's on me there. Um, but, no, I don't think Nick Saban leaving is great for college football. I thought he was going to say Nick Saban should be the next college football commissioner, which I would vouch for. I think that is great because I think he is actually a guy that has college football's interests, best interests at heart. 
I do think you provide ideas and leadership and also have the gravitas where people would listen to where he would implement strategies, ideas, and organization that would allow for the greater good of college football where everyone would flourish. And that, for me, starts with the 12-team playoff. I don't think we have to expand anymore. Expansion from 12 is all about money. We don't need more money. Trust me, the Big Ten the SEC, they are rich. Rich beyond belief. 12-team playoff is perfect. We don't need any more. We don't need any less. Speaking of that 12-team college football playoff, that is going to get set for at least we know in 2024. What teams right now are locks? I think there are only four teams in college football that we could say guaranteed will make the playoff next year. I'll tell you those four teams when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio.